Hey everybody, this is Ruben, and you're listening to Amazing Stories. Right, nobody move. Sergeant, hit the lights. We've had a report of black magic. Mr. Hanks, are you or are you not in the process of summoning the devil? Oh my god, Shelley, did you think, what have I got myself involved in? Yeah, and Dad, he assured the policeman that Mr. Hanks had offered to help get rid and we were having a seance but they weren't having any of it they took statements from all of us we were told that the press or someone had tipped them off and it was all over the papers it even went before parliament the local MP had brought it up that black magic was happening in Streatham this episode the fallout from the exorcism and allegations are made against Shirley. I'm Danny Robbins, and this is the Battersea Poltergeist. Episode 5, Strange Bones. Is the Home Secretary aware that my constituent, a man of good character and a spiritualist for over 30 years, justifiably resents the unwarrantable intrusion of the police, who alleged black magic and witchcraft? Is he not, in all the circumstances, entitled to something in the nature of a public apology? I am not sure that I agree. As the practice of black magic is an offence at common law, the police called to inquire whether there were any grounds for police action. I'm in my shed, which has become kind of my unofficial investigation HQ. I've got stuff stuck all over the walls now. It looks like one of those incident rooms from a police crime drama. I've got lots of headlines here on this wall from The Exorcism. And... I mean, this was huge. We've got uh, Black Magic said radio message from the Daily Express. Who sent police to seance from the Daily Mail? And Shelley's right. What happened was genuinely talked about in the Houses of Parliament. What you heard there was the actual words of Harry Hanks' local MP protesting about the raid and the Home Secretary defending the police. So just when you think this case can't get any bigger, it does. You have one of the most senior politicians in the UK, commenting on Shirley's poltergeist. But the real question for the Hitchings family is, did the exorcism work? After the dramatic events at Hanks' house, Shirley comes back home to number 63 to recover. Fancy a cuppa, love. Thanks, Mum. There's still some press outside, but inside the house, for the first time in weeks... It's quiet... Maybe it did work. How would you feel if he's gone? Well, good, I suppose. Wouldn't you? Yeah, of course. It's just odd, isn't it? That silence. On the family's doorstep is a man in a suit 
with a camera around his neck. Hello. Is uh, Mr Hitchings home? No, I'm Mrs Hitchings. My lucky day. <laughs> I'm John Knight. Oh. It's about your Shirley. He was, a, a, I think, a little man with combed-down hair. He said that they were going to take me, Shirley, to Fleet Street for an interview. And they had a car waiting outside, a chauffeur-driven car. Where are we going? Somewhere we can talk. I've taken a real interest in your case. Who'd you work for? Your mum's got my card. But I haven't. We'll explain it all when we get there. Who's we? People who can help you, Shirley. With your ghost. Fire! Harold, hmm? the toast is on hey? fire! Meanwhile, over in Bounds Green, North London, Harold Chibbert has also returned home to the little suburban house he shares with his wife, Lily. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, oh, You were supposed to watch it. Sorry, uh, I got rather lost in my paper. There's, there's an account of the exorcism I attended. You remember? I was nearly arrested. I'll put two more slices on then. The spiritualists are up in arms. Apparently they'd had a tip-off. The devil was being summoned. Oh, well, that's South London for you. What a preposterous waste of time. I suppose they have to investigate. Not the police. That fellow Hanks. You can't get rid of a poltergeist with an exorcism. It's like shouting at a naughty child. It might make you feel better, but it doesn't do any good. Mm, so what should they try? Talk to it. Ask Donald why he's following Shirley. There's always a reason. Buried somewhere. You've been reading too much Freud. Sadly, it seems her father doesn't want my help anymore. Mm. I imagine you think he'll regret that. I imagine so. Shirley, my dear. Hello again. Sorry to keep you waiting. Maxwell? How have you been? So, Ronald Maxwell, Shirley, is the journalist we heard your dad invite into the house back in episode three when you made contact with Donald. What was he like? He was a big, thick-set man with dark, curly hair and he had this big cashmere coat on. He, He swaggered about, you know? I didn't like him. Sorry about all that cloak and dagger stuff with John. We just wanted to make sure you'd come. Thought you might like a can of fizzy pop. They brought in a tizer, I think it was, and a, a bowl of sweets... This all feels a bit creepy, Shirley. It was. You know, I'd never come across anything like this. But I knew I didn't want to be there. Humbugs. Is this Fleet Street, then? Indeed. The hallowed offices of the Daily Mail. Some woman came in and made me strip to my underwear. Yes, apologies. We just needed to check you weren't, uh, you know... Hiding anything. Like what? Let me open that can for you. He said you could help. I think we can. But first, I've been telling John all about our ghostly chat at your house. Donald's strange knocking noises. You don't mind if I take a few pictures? I haven't done my hair. You look great. Would you call it a knock? Or maybe more of a tap? I mean, he bangs too, but 
suppose mostly it's like a tap. Right. Tap, tap. It follows me sometimes, even to work. I ended up getting sacked because of it. But I've had an exorcism to get rid of him. I wonder, though, did it work? Or might Donald still be here, lurking? I think I have. I might have felt him. Do you think we could contact him? Show John how we did it last time? I can't control the noises. It just happens. Of course. But perhaps you could try. Now? Donald? Are you there? John? Yep. He's come back. I thought he might. I've hooked up with my fellow investigators, Kieran O'Keefe and Evelyn Hollow. So these are big developments here, Kieran and Evelyn. Donald is back and we've now seen that the tapping can actually follow Shirley outside the house. The tapping following Shirley is incredibly interesting because initially lots of people's ideas would just be, oh, it's, you know, it's environmental or it's in the house. Now, the fact that it seems to be attaching itself to Shirley and it's wherever she goes really solidifies that the house or the environment is not where the phenomena is coming from. It seems to be attached or around Shirley. But um, what's very interesting is the sort of quality or timber, rather, of the sound, because sometimes we're talking about tapping, but then we also have banging that is so loud that neighbours can hear it, people out in the street can hear it. Do we feel like this is two distinct things, Kieran? Is, is the tapping that we hear when Shirley contacts Donald different to the banging on the walls in the house? Yeah, I think there's is something we call misattribution hypothesis in psychology. So you're looking for a kind of a single source, a single explanation, and you're tying the two things together. And the thing that's tying them together is the poltergeist, or it's Shirley. But they are two separate things. So tapping has a number of different possible explanations. Banging has other explanations, which in the main, I think, would be different to the tapping sounds. Really, the only thing that's linking the banging at number 63 and this tapping in the Daily Mail office is Shirley. Yes, that is the only thing that's connecting them. And, you know, the focus for all of this phenomena does appear to be Shirley. Which I guess means one of two things, doesn't it? Either Donald is now following her everywhere she goes, or Shirley herself is somehow responsible for these noises. Incredible, isn't it? Look this way. The noise seems to be coming from the floor area, by your feet. Yes. Does it do that a lot? Well, sometimes it's in the walls or furniture. But always near to where you are? I suppose so. I do like your boots. Thanks. I wonder if you could take them off. Uh, all right. Are they new? I got them for Christmas. Right. Just before the haunting started. What are you saying? Could you hold one of them up to your face? A bit closer. There. Oi, what's going on here? Why are you taking all these photos? Should we chat with Donald again? I don't think he'll come now. 
you'll have scared him off. And then they said, put your shoes and socks on, we're going out again. And I refused to go. I said, I want to speak to my daddy. And this John Knight, he said something to Maxwell. And then they went out the room, came back in and said, if you go to the telephone, you could speak to your brother John. And so I did. And he's saying to me, it's all right, you can go with these people. Nothing's going to happen to you. Be a good girl. And that's when they took me to a doctor in Harley Street. And I was alone with him. And, oh, I was so scared. And Donald started banging on the desk. And all of a sudden... The curtain billowed out as though someone had got their hand and everything on this desk went on the floor. And this doctor, he ran out the room (laughs) and left the door open. Then Maxwell came in and I said, I told you I, I want to go home now. And they did. They put me in this car with the driver and delivered me back to 63. Shirley, where where, where have you been? Dad. What's happened? And then John appeared, and that's when I said to him, I spoke to you on the phone. He said, no, you didn't. I was at work. Bloody hell, Shirley. Who was on the phone then? I learnt afterwards it was someone that they, you know, being a girl, I didn't think that it wasn't my brother John. It sounded like him. A journalist pretended to be your brother? This is outrageous, Shirley. Now, looking back, I think, my God, I must have been gullible, you know. (laughs) And then their article came out. Oh, yes. And the picture was on the front page of me holding up this silly boot. Spook was in girl's big toe. Pardon? That's the headline in the weekend mail. I've no idea what you're talking about. Shirley Hitchings' right big toe has hoaxed the world. Millions of TV viewers have seen Shirley telling them about the mysterious tapped messages from Donald, her pet spirit. We have news for... Come and have a look at this. Shirley is doing the tapping subconsciously by cracking the joint in her right big toe. Mm. Mm. Well, that's that then. Mm. No. Oh, I don't think so. They're a funny bunch, poltergeists. Doubt them, and they tend to want to prove themselves. Will you pass the salt, dear? So this is the first big sceptic theory about the case that tries to explain what's been happening. I'm going to call it the hammer toe theory. And it's basically that Ronald Maxwell had suspected that Shirley was somehow responsible for the noises herself. And that doctor they took her to had diagnosed a deformity called hammer toe, which she'd picked up from childhood ballet dancing. And the theory goes that the deformity in the bone produces a clicking noise and that explains the taps from Donald. So, could this be true? Well, there's a possible precedent. It's another poltergeist case back in 1848. 
It happens in a house in a tiny hamlet called Hydesville in rural upstate New York. There are two sisters, Kate and Maggie Fox. They're 11 and 14 years old. And just like Shirley, they start to hear banging in their house. And then they start answering. Now, if you've heard of the Fox sisters, it might be because they're credited as the founders of spiritualism, the religion that Harry Hanks, our exorcist, followed. It's a branch of Christianity that's based on contacting the dead. So also like Shirley, the sisters start to become famous and it gets to the point where they're performing in big halls to packed audiences. They're, they're almost like these paranormal rock stars tapping out these messages from the spirit world. But it's what happens next that really links into our case. To find out about it, I'm going to speak to Emily Midorikawa, who's a writer and biographer who researched the Fox Sisters for her new book, Out of the Shadows. So Emily, Kate and Maggie Fox are these huge celebrities, but then it all goes wrong. It does indeed go spectacularly wrong. In the time since the sisters had first, you know, become these these superstars, more and more spirit mediums have come on the scene. So to some extent, the, the Fox sisters had drifted a little bit off people's radar. And then in the autumn of 1888, an advertisement appeared in the New York press saying that there was going to be a demonstration of the death of spiritualism. And what's more, one of the Fox sisters themselves, Maggie, would be appearing on stage. So the, the venue was awash with excitement. People were all wondering what they were going to see. But then the star attraction, Maggie, came onto the stage. She's now in her 50s. She's got quite a gaunt appearance, largely, I think, because of the effects of alcoholism on her body. Um, she this has a slightly worn down atmosphere to her. Anyway, she gives a speech in which she stresses how young she was at the time. She became famous for these spirit wrappings. She ends up saying that spiritualism is a fraud from beginning to end. And the knocks for which she's so famous began to reverberate around the hall. But this time, Maggie has an explanation for where they're coming from. They're coming from her big toe, she says. So these sounds that people have believed to be the work of spirits for so many years are apparently being made by Maggie's clicking joints in her toe. The story of the Fox sisters does really make you think. Like, firstly, were the Daily Mail journalists aware of it? And also, was Shirley aware of it herself? But I guess the biggest question is, can the click of a toe bone really be mistaken for ghostly taps? It's time for another little experiment, I think, with my unsuspecting wife, Eva. Can I just play you something spooky? Just turn out that light behind you. Okay, it's totally dark now, apart from Bridgerton frozen on screen <laughs> <laughs> on the television. <laughs> Uh, okay, I'm going to play something to you. That doesn't sound that scary to me. What if I said that was the sound of a 
poltergeist tapping on the wall. That's a genuine recording from a house. What if I now told you that that was the sound of people cracking their bones? That's people cracking their toes and knuckles. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> Is that even worse? That's almost worse, yeah. So I think with the right setting, it's possible people could be duped, but there's still something about this theory that just doesn't add up for me. With the Fox Sisters story, are we really saying that these noises could be heard across a packed concert hall in New York? And in Battersea, do we think that Shirley's toe can click loud enough to wake the neighbours? Kieran and Evelyn, how do we feel about the hammer toe theory? Is there something in this, or has Shirley been stitched up? It's as if no one stepped back and gone, mm, there's kind of a difference between clicking something once for no or twice for yes and making noises so loud. People are calling the police and neighbours are asking what the bloody hell they're doing ripping up the floorboards. They're really just interested in going, we've got her, we've exposed her, it's over, and selling papers. It's sensationalist. It feels like we have to consider the possibility, though, that there could be some truth to this. Could there be an element, Kieran, that there is genuine phenomena and then there are things that Shirley is faking. Absolutely, that could be the case. And you look at the Enfield poltergeist, and you've got examples there where there is some phenomena that remains unexplained, but there's also other phenomena where investigators or reporters actually caught, caught the person deliberately faking the phenomena. So in Enfield, for example, the deliberate faking of the phenomena when it was caught by um, Maurice Gross, one of the investigators, uh, a girl turned around, uh, Janet turned around and said, well, you know, I, I felt the pressure to actually do this. It's almost as though, yeah, you know, I needed to perform because people were expecting phenomena to happen. But all the rest of it is real. And, and you can kind of understand that, especially at that sort of age, that there is all of this pressure around Shirley for Donald to perform. I guess maybe the real test is what happens next. Because if Shirley's behind everything, then with all eyes on her, the phenomena should stop. Or will it be like Chib said, doubt a poltergeist and it will prove itself? Oh, oh God. I've not had it like this before. What's that smell? It's burning! Fire! Oh. 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 No! The opal's on. There's a pile of tea towels on top of it. Could have burned the whole house down. Killed us in our beds. Well, who put them there? Shirley? Of course not. Yeah, all right, Mum. Thanks, John. I'll turn the electrics off for now. It'll be safer. Wally, I don't like this. This is new. He's angry, isn't he? Angry at what they wrote. So Shirley and her family now feel trapped. Their story has been discredited by the male expose. But from their view, Donald seems to be getting worse and worse. And the next incident that occurs is one of the most shocking in this whole case. It's another fire during the day, and this time, someone actually gets hurt. Blimey, what it, mate? <coughs> oh, it's the bed! Oh my god, the bed's on fire! Shirley, stay back! <coughs> right, out of the way, I'll try and put it out. George, give me that blanket! Oh, it's gonna spread! Well, let's be careful! 
Kieran, this injury to Wally is a whole new level of seriousness. Now suddenly we've got a characteristic of poltergeist phenomena, which is spontaneous fire. The question, of course, is whether it's deliberate or accidental. Deliberate or accidental by Donald? Or by somebody else? By anybody. I'm, I'm, at this point, I think it's best to just, just to think about that. Is it accidental or deliberate on the part of Donald or whoever's responsible for the phenomena? Do you feel like the fire was started by somebody other than Donald? Yes. Yeah, I do. Oh, my God. We've got some newspaper accounts here from the time about the fire. So one thing to say to everybody is that it definitely happened. There's an article in the Daily Express here with a quote from the fire brigade that says, we could not find the cause of the fire. And then we've got a police spokesman quoted in the South London Advertiser saying... The official verdict on our investigation is result negative. There is not the least suspicion that the fire was deliberately started by someone in the house. We don't believe in poltergeists, but we must admit that there's some freak of nature there. Something out of the ordinary is going on in Wycliffe Road. Evelyn, did a human being start this fire? It's impossible to rule it out, but if the people who are the experts on how fires are started say they cannot find any evidence to show that a person started that fire, then I'd be inclined to trust their judgment. So you do think that Donald started this fire? I think that something started the fire that wasn't a person. I, I, I have no way of telling you if it was Donald. It's a pretty mind-blowing idea that a poltergeist could actually physically injure somebody. But then it feels almost equally mind-blowing to consider Kieran's suspicion that the fire was started by one of the family. I remember the fire brigade coming in, taking Dad away and putting the fire out. The bed was ruined. They then called for an ambulance and they took him to the local Battersea General Hospital... We're here to see Wally. Uh, I mean, uh, Walter Hitchings. Room 13, just down the corridor. Chib! Shirley! How'd you know he was here? The newspaper report. You seem to be the most famous family in England right now. (laughs) This is my wife, Lily. Pleased to meet you, Shirley. I've heard a lot about you. We called at the house and Kitty told us where to come. How is Wally? All right, thank God. It was me, Chip. Sorry? I did it. You started the fire? What? No, of course not. But it's like Chip said, I'm Donald's battery, I'm how he can do this. Dad nearly died. And it's my fault. I should just go away somewhere forever so nobody else gets hurt. Surely. Surely. You you can't think like that. Come on. Let's go in and see the patient. You're still in one piece. Chip. That's a bandage and a half. I shouldn't have listened to you, that exorcism. You did what you thought best. But it seems the situation has got a lot more serious. Oh, uh, Mr Hitchings? 
no, Doc. Oh, you're free to go. It's a nasty burn. Keep it dressed so it heals. Righto. I'm confused, though, as to what actually happened. Well, there was a fire. Yes, but the wound is unusual. How do you mean? In the middle of the burn, there's what looks like a, a deep scratch, as if Mr Hitchings was gouged. Pardon? It looks like you were attacked by something with a set of claws. He had these three great gouge marks. Donald was telling us, you won't want to cross me. We realised he meant business, you know. He was that powerful. Next episode on the Battersea Poltergeist. Can a ghost physically injure someone? It's time to do some hands-on research. We are here because we think this is a house that may have an active poltergeist in it. Oh, God. It's moving. I don't like this. There are literally hundreds, if not thousands, of people that have experienced things in this house. Are they all making it up? Thank you for listening, and don't forget to join us tomorrow for yet another amazing story.